You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would live with you in mind and what you care about. And God, we thank you for the privilege, the honor, the joy, Lord, to be wholehearted followers of Jesus. And we ask that you would do something supernatural in our hearts today. We pray that you would open up the word of God to us. We pray that it would come alive. We pray that we would live it out. And everybody said, amen. 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 One of the most fun moments of my life that really impacted me was in 2001. I uh, was, found myself on a ministry trip in Germany and had the opportunity to go visit this little town of Hernhut, Germany. And many of you are familiar with the story and, and we've titled the series after a famous historical movement that took place in 1727 with this group called the Moravians. And it's one of the most famous missionary stories about a famous missionary group that began to pray and then send people out all over the world to take the gospel where the gospel had not yet gone. And so it's an incredible, incredible story um, and one that you could take 25 minutes to tell. And the truth is I've, I have, I'm not gonna do that today, but um, it's one of my favorite stories. And it marked me, I was 24 years old and we were preaching in different churches in Germany and just kind of by just sovereignty ended up having the opportunity to visit. And, and I began to, it, to even have this story shape a lot of uh, the ministry of reaching young people. And today there's hundreds of young people uh, around the world that wear a silver ring that says for the lamb because Renata and I decided to give every student that graduated from our internship a ring that said, for the lamb, because this mantra, this idea so impacted us. And uh, really the part that I want to highlight is this, this moment where this, this guy, he was a count, his name was Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf, easy name, um, one of my heroes. I actually wanted to name Dawson Zinzendorf, but Renata said no. Um, we did not find agreement on that one. And so, um, but Zinzendorf said there's this opportunity to reach um, some, some slaves in the West Indies, which would today be the Caribbean. And so 1727, and, and he says, is there anyone that's willing to go? The, the challenge is, is that in order to go, you'll have to sell your life into slavery because the landowners do not want the gospel on the island. And the only way to tell the slaves on the island about the good news of Jesus is if you're willing to become one of them. And so it's an epic story because two young men in their early 20s, which for much of my life, I've been leading internships with young people in their early 20s. And they said, we will go one Leonard Dober and another David Nitschman. And if you've been going to Radiant for a while, you've already heard this story. It's one of my favorites. And it'll probably be a part of who we are for years to come. Because there was a statement that they made. Leonard Dober and David Nitschman, two young men that said, we'll go. And in fact, we will sell our lives into slavery. We will voluntarily give up our freedoms, forego the pleasures of Europe, and go to a place and a people that we do not know in order to reach them. And the, the epic moment, the, the moment that became the anthem of the Moravian missions movement 
was as these two young men were in the boat and the boat was pulling out of the harbor and they were saying goodbye to their friends and family that they would never see again. They raised their hands and one of them yelled back, what became their anthem? And said this phrase, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And with that, they gave their lives. And the reason why I want this to be a series as we even look towards the holidays is there's a motivation that's deep that would be willing to give up your life. I think the first motivation is this passion for Jesus, this love for God and what God is about, I'm about. And if Jesus gave up his life for others that others might come into relationship with him. These young Moravian men said, we'll go. And uh, the love that others might know Jesus moved them, motivated them. And so it was even a people that they hadn't ever met. And they cried out, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward. What is the reward? Man, there is going to be a day where there will be a great multitude from every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne. And they said, what we care about is that they might hear and that they might know Jesus. And that passion for others, that love for Jesus and love for others motivated them to go. And in this series, I want to just spend some weeks and just taking our eyes off of self and looking at others. Taking our eyes off of us and we got a lot going and we got a lot to do and A lot of times we've got so much with our bills and our house and we got to make sure our car works and we got to make sure that our clothes fit and we got to buy the right things for us and make sure that we're not sick and get the stuff for your hair and buy the skinny jeans and do what it takes to stay relevant and do all the stuff to make sure our kids are okay and our retirement's okay and, and everything works. But for a moment, I want us just to kind of, kind of just pull back and just try to get a little bit more of a global perspective, a little bit more of an eternal perspective. And I think the kind of person that shows up to church on Sunday, I think some of you, this is already in you. This is a part of who you are. Some of you, it might be new for you, but my hope is, is that the Holy Spirit would do something unique in our hearts where we gain his heart a little bit more. So I want us to look at John chapter four because we find Jesus talking about the harvest and. I want us just to catch, just I've got three points out of this very famous story. John chapter four, I'm gonna read it and then we'll talk about it. All right, verse 27. Let me kind of just set up the story here. Jesus is uh, talking to this Samaritan lady, which is kind of an intriguing story because much of the time when we are paying attention to Jesus, he's with his 12 disciples. And Jesus lives in this culture where a rabbi would lead young disciples and most of the stories that we have, Jesus has his disciples nearby, but this one is interesting because the disciples are not with him. And so there's this moment where we don't know exactly what kind of errand, what kind of all the things that's going on that would keep them away, but that we know they're looking for food and Jesus is not with them for a moment. And he engages in a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And, and this was a hurdle on two counts because one In this day, men wouldn't talk to women. And in this day also, the Jews wouldn't necessarily talk to the Samaritans. And so Jesus is is kind of breaking two cultural norms, two barriers that he's leaping over 
in, in the first service, I accidentally said two cultural barrels. And everybody was like, oh, you got barrels. But anyway, and, um, and so Jesus, uh, Jesus is talking right here to her. So that's kind of the context. And in, the, in this, Jesus has just said to her uh, that he has, uh, as they're sitting at this well, that he has water that will never run dry and she'll never thirst again. And then she, he also says, I know your story. And, and he looks right at her and he, he knows that he says, hey, you've got five husbands and this woman is now in the, where we're going to pick it up. She's a little bit overwhelmed, a little bit amazed at what's at Jesus ability to know her. So then uh, verse 27, it says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman for the reasons that I just mentioned. But no one asks, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him, being Jesus. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Good, I like that laugh right there. That's good, that's good. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open up your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So right here, really intriguing because Jesus is having this conversation with this lady and and he's going out of his way to have the conversation with the Samaritan woman. And one of the things that's really intriguing here is where she goes, she tells her testimony, and then you've got all the people of the town that are walking back towards Jesus. And the disciples are thinking about food. And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I want to finish the work. And they're still thinking about lunch. Did somebody else bring him Lunchables? What's going on? What, did you have fish that we don't know about? What's, and then Jesus looks back and Jesus is saying, man, look, open up your eyes. I want you to care about what I care about. And all I want us to do today is have some of these ideas that we see in Jesus start to come alive in us. Because Jesus is saying, this, this first idea I want us to catch is, he's saying, open up your eyes. We've got some townspeople that are walking this direction. We've got this lady, this Samaritan lady that is right now, her life is being eternally transformed and you're thinking about lunch. And I just think it's so apropos for us. I think that in the midst of all that we have going and we've got so much, that if we could take from this text, just the reminder, open up our eyes and think, what, what is it that God cares about it? What, what is the thing that is on his heart? What's the thing that he's burdened by? I think for me, it's so easy for me to live focused on me and what I've got going on. And, and yet if we were able to look at our heavenly father and he has, by most estimates, four billion people on the planet that do not know him. Man, I wonder what's moving his heart. Like, I believe that he's a good, good father and we sing that song and I believe he cares about all the details of my life and the details of your life and I believe for sure he wants to give good gifts to you. 
Yet today I want us to just think in addition and even in perspective where the largest part of his burden is. Because I think when we look at Jesus, we see Jesus caring a little bit more about the Samaritan woman and about the people of the town than the disciples' lunch. Like, I think we see Jesus and he's going, my food is to do the will of the Father. I I care about something that's really big and really massive. And I think that we enter into some of the favor of God when what he cares about is what we care about. And how easy it is for us to live focused on all the things right around us and not see the way that he sees. And I just want us today to just take a baby step in saying, okay, God, open up my eyes to see like you see. If you think about even just eyes in in themselves, you know, the idea of being nearsighted and farsighted. You've got nearsighted and nearsighted is when you can see what's near, right? Farsighted is when you can see what's far, which is a little bit strange to me because most of the time we communicate problems based upon problems. So if I'm nearsighted, it's because I can see what's near. To me, that's kind of like, you know, breaking my leg and saying I'm, I have arm working, you know, <laughs> but it's just a little bit opposite. But anyways, I was studying this, got to get it right. So, so if you're nearsighted, you, you don't see 2020, you just see what's near. And I think for all of us, it's easy to just kind of see what's near. And I want us just to ask God to give us 20-20 vision, to see a little bit more than just all of our immediate needs and to care just a little bit more and to ask what is on his heart and how he cares for all of you parents. You know, you know what it's like to care about all of your children and to care when you have that one child that is lost or that one child that is sick. You know what it's like to care so desperately and to even have your heart and your affection and your schedule, it all tends to go towards that one because you care so much. And I think we tap into God's heart when we start to say, okay, God, my temptation is to focus on me, but open up my eyes and that's my prayer first prayer for us today as a church in the early days. Okay, God, open up our eyes that we might see like you see, that we might care like you care, and let us see the four billion people around the globe. And if you are this father that cares so much about your children, and you have told us that it is actually our privilege, opportunity, and job to what Jesus said, therefore all authority has been given to me. And I say to you, go into the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teach me everything I command you and surely I'm with you to the end of time. And you're saying, all right, radiant church, don't just think about you. And we got a lot of stuff to do. We got curtains to buy. (laughs) We got trailers and worship leaders and we got a lot to do. But as a church, and my prayers for you as a person and maybe you as a family, as we go into, one, honestly, this incredibly challenging materialistic season, that we would just get a right vision and we'd back up and just say, okay, God, give me eternal eyes. Give me global eyes. Help me to the best that I can care about not just my comforts, but about what lasts for eternity. 
And the first prayer today is that, just God, open my eyes. I think the second one that I, that I see in the text here is just this, this way that Jesus says, it's, it's my food. And I just love that. He's declining earthly food and saying, it's, it's my food to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, something is nourishing me. Something is sustaining me beyond just whatever you guys are bringing him, the fish, the bread, the whatever. He's saying, this is what sustains me. Like this, this is alive in me. And so imagine a church that that nourishes us. <laughs> like, like what if, what if right at the core DNA of us as a church, if something that really moved us was what we were doing that people around the globe would know Jesus. Like it, it, was, it, was, it was our food. Like we loved it. Like we celebrated. Like maybe in the city or, Maybe in the nations, it's just kind of what motivates. It's just, we got a little bit of that, that Jesus life just kind of oozing from us. So there's that moment where you go, hey, everybody, today, just to shock you, just because we like you, there's a bunch of cider donuts. That's not true for today. But last week, the first service, you guys saw them when you came in, so you weren't quite as excited. But man, the first service is like, yes, woohoo! And what if, as we mature and grow and become more united, every time we say, hey, everybody, four people gave their life to Jesus last week, there's a, what's up? Like it's, yeah. What if, when we say, hey, this, this, this is what lasted in eternity. Hey, last week, Seven people found relationship with Jesus. Hey, everybody, guess what? We're giving to, and then we name Azerbaijan or Parmesan or Jakalakalakistan or whatever part of the world that it is. And we, you may not even have heard of the country, but when we say, because of what you gave, 17 people gave their life to Jesus, and there was an eruption, like, yes, my food is to do. I'm talking like seriously. I'm talking about, I'm talking about if it was a little bit of counterculture. Because, you know, when you go to church, planting world and they're telling you, man, a part of it is they say, hey, listen, you're dealing with some of the wealthiest people in the world and you're dealing with a consumer culture and here's how it works in the consumer culture. And I gotta be honest with you, there's this part of me that's just a little bit bugged. This little part of me that goes, maybe not in this house. Maybe this house might have this little bit of, you know, even more than getting everything right for us. Maybe more than getting the temperature right, and I want to get the temperature right. Even maybe more than getting the donuts right, I want to get the donuts right. Maybe more than having really cool, awesome, amazing worship leaders, and I want to get the worship leaders right. Maybe more than getting just the right amount of pipe and drip and just the right school and just the right location. Maybe more than all those things, there'll be this people that God will form that, man, deepen our DNA. So you know what you know what feeds us far more than cider donuts or some of the greatest pour over coffee. What we're really about is mm, made a lamb that was slain, received the reward of his suffering. Yeah, there'd be a great multitude that no one could count in our generation. Like that. You know that's gonna last for trillions of years. And maybe 
Maybe that just gets just so lodged in us that maybe we'll go without some of the other things because we care so much. And I got a dream. I got a dream that we would mature in that and we would grow in that. And man, that just like Jesus looked at his disciples and says, my food, we would say, man, that's our food. Like that. And it, just, it just becomes a part of the culture. Like it just becomes a part of like, like what you love, like what you celebrate. Like, hey, like the greatest thing, honestly, one of the greatest things that could happen at Radiant Church is when you've brought that person that you know that's far from Jesus. And David says, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, not a chance I'm closing my eyes. You're peeking. Because you've got that person that you've been praying for, talking to, and that you know, and they finally came to church. And they say, mm, I want to I give my life to Jesus. And you go, that's better than $25,000. That's better than a brand new car. That's better than mm, growing six inches. All the things I pray for. <laughs> it moves you. It's my food. It's, ooh, it's, it's what lasts for eternity. So you've got the town that comes out in John 4. And the disciples talking about lunch. And you've got just the perfect picture where Jesus says, lunch, town, my food is to finish the work. And I just want us to ask God, God, put that in our DNA. Man, put that in us. Let me care more about, may the lamb who was slain receive a reward, a reward of his suffering that he paid on the cross so that there might be a great multitude in my generation. There might be a great multitude from Azerbaijan and name the stand and Africa and Europe and Kansas City. And that we would just go, man, it's, and I just think as we, I just want us in the midst of this kind of this season where I'm tempted to look and go, oh, oh, gotta get that right, buy that, get all this, and just ask, Lord, what do you wanna do? Like, what do you care about? Because if Jesus is correcting his disciples in that moment, there's a chance Jesus wants to correct me too. And as his disciples, I want to care about the town more than I care about the lunch. A friend of mine was, flying into Mexico City with a missionary who had spent 25 years reaching the poor of Mexico City. And uh, as they were flying into Mexico City, the older missionary began to weep. And my friend was sitting there, just normal, drinking his Coke, just hanging out. And the missionary looked at him and he just said with tears in his eyes, sorry, son, but when you've prayed and given your life, to reach a town, just the sight of it puts tears in your eyes. And I just imagine like, man, what brings tears? Like what, and I'm not trying to be like, you know, I don't wanna manipulate. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm just trying to pull back a little bit and look 2020. Just not be so nearsighted that man, the biggest cares that I have is whew, the music or the clothes or the, 
whatever. But just if, if it's true that Jesus is who he said he is, and if it's true that he has given you this opportunity and this privilege and this calling to tell as many people as possible about Jesus, and if it's true that heaven and hell are realities and that he's, given, he's called you to be a voice, then hey, it just rearranges what nourishes us, what sustains us, like what, like what, we, what, what we care about, what we talk about, and what moves us. And then there's this, just this last phrase, because in this last phrase, I just, I love where Jesus says, um, don't you have a saying, it's still four months into harvest, which this is like a procrastination phrase. It's still four months until harvest. It's like, hey, everybody, chill out. Everything's okay. It's still, the harvest was, everybody know harvest is hard. Harvest is hard work. Harvest is the hard time. And so it, this, is, this is Jesus saying, oh, you have this saying, which is basically like a chill out, baby, and enjoy life. And Jesus goes, I tell you, open your eyes. Look to the fields. Look at this town. The harvest is ripe. He's saying now there's this urgency. And I think that's, honestly, that's so easy for us to do. I mean, I'm the kid that grew up at six years old having kids, or people come in with transparencies and showing me, you know, pictures of people from Africa. And I'm like mostly scared about how much clothes they have more than I even can connect with the gospel, you know, and my whole life hearing stuff like this. And so I know, I know it's easy just to go, yeah, 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 that always will be there. Except for that we've got one life, one chance. And if Jesus tells his disciples, hey guys, look to the harvest, I think he would look at us and say, hey guys, look to the harvest. Hey guys, pull back. Don't live nearsighted. Man, put on the glasses so you can see like I see. Look 2020, catch it and get some urgency. Because I just think, I think that God is, is a bit distracted by, the, by what's lost. I know that's a weird way to say it, but if we read the way that Jesus describes him in Luke 15, he just gives the three parables that you're familiar with, the lost son and the lost coin and the lost sheep. And so it's the whole idea of the shepherd goes after the sheep, the father, the son, lady going after the coin. And the, it's the same concept in all three parables. And what it, what it is, is it's this view of what God is like. And of course, I don't think that the ultimate point that Jesus is making ultimately is about the 99. He's ultimately really making the point about how much he loves the one, but he does infer. What's, what's on his mind, what, what has his attention is the one, the sheep that's lost. What has his attention is the coin that's lost. What has his attention is the son who's out squandering his life. And so I just want us as a church, like here we are, come on, 13 months in and brand new and starting to just, starting to just kind of get a little bit of training wheels on us and kind of just starting to grow up a little bit. And I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to inject into the heart of this brand new baby church, this heart that cares about what he cares about, is a little bit distracted by what he's distracted about. You know, when we were... Um, first got here, we moved here in February of 2016. And in April of 2016, I was catching a flight from Kansas City to Denver uh, because I was going to go back and lead a team meeting with some of the people that were moving here from Colorado. And, and uh, I was sitting, you know, right there at our incredibly beautiful Kansas City airport. That's just better than every airport in America. <laughs> ha! And uh, Lord Jesus, let's just pray for the airport. No. And so 
Anyway, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there and I'm working on my, my laptop and, and, and you know, like I, I had 16 years in Colorado Springs. I had every sermon, every file, every church planting document, every picture, everything on the hard drive of that laptop. And I know that some of you that are uber, like, cool technology people that are, you know, are like the Apple wizards. You're like, oh, you should have had a flobber schnobber that is saved in three places. And it's saved in the air. And it's saved on a hard drive somewhere at your house. And it's saved by the Lord somewhere. I mean, you've got all these other things. But I'm just plain old ignorant guy that just had everything. I mean, every sermon, every, every document for 16 years. I mean, I just had it on that laptop. And Got a phone call from Nathan. He hadn't moved here yet. And, he, and you know, I'm like, you know, I'm going to take the call. I'm sitting there about to board the plane. And I'm like, what was up, brother? Hey, Kansas City is paradise. Cincinnati is God awful compared to how great this place is. You know, I'm just, whatever it takes to have Nathan fall in love with this city, you know. And, and I board the plane without that laptop. And, uh. You know, I'm super obedient to the flight rules, you know, like, they're like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, not always, but that day, and I don't pull out my laptop till after we're up in the air, and then, ladies and gentlemen, you can now use devices that are approved, and I'm like, gonna get a little bit of work done, and I go to pull out my laptop out of my bag, and there's no laptop, and I know exactly where I left it, and every sermon, every attempt to write a book for 16 years. Hey, I got like 19. I've never written. I've tried, you know, like they're all there, like everything, like every, every document to, to start the church, everything. Let me tell you that little short one hour and seven minute flight. Ha! I was pretty distracted. Like just the, uh, like you start to think, what are the ramifications? Oh no, I'm starting a church and I've, I got no sermons. This is, what kind of brilliant man am I? You know, like, I got just, ha. Huh. And the lady came by and she was like, would you like something to drink? And I looked at her like, go away. <laughs> I, I mean, I couldn't talk to people. I mean, I literally just, I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, it's just sweat on my face. Just my prayer life increased. Oh God, 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 help. And it didn't matter what else took place on that flight. I had never been so distracted. Something on my brain that was lost and I was, and you can imagine if we serve this God and he created us for relationship with him. There's 4 billion people that don't know him. And it's just kind of this normal statistic for us. It doesn't hardly move us because we just, <laughs> we've heard it all our lives. But I just want us just to pull back. Just ask God, help us to see like you see. Help us to care. Like I guarantee you, he's the father that so desperately loves his children. And that, He's not, he's not up there with most of his mind and his heart going, hey, well, at least I got, I got these over here that do love me. I think that a big part of his heart is look to the field, look to the harvest. Get your heart where my heart is. I care about them. Like 30,000 feet up in the air, I'm not like, well, 
I'm just going to celebrate that I still have this iPhone. No files on it, but at least I got this. No, man, in those moments, I'm like focused on, I, I sure, I sure want that back. And we have a father that loves us deeply and has given you the opportunity to use your mouth, your words, your dollars, your time, your attention, your heart, your affection to help those lost people that don't know him come to know him. And I want it, today I just wanted to move our hearts a little bit, like just God, do something supernatural in me that I might care. Like it might move me. Like I remember my senior year of high school, like walking around, I graduated in, from high school in 1995 in Oklahoma City, the same year as the Oklahoma City bombing. And I remember walking around in late April of that year and seeing some of the tragedy and just the devastation and the pain. And it moves you emotionally. It just moves you. Or you remember the tsunami in late 2004. I took this team. We took a team of young people. We just did tsunami relief. 280,000 people gone. And I saw the refugees were serving these refugees and walked the beaches that were just absolutely gone. And every, I mean, it was, it was scary. It was so heavy, so sad. And it affected me emotionally. And I just want to ask us in the midst of just, it's so easy to be nearsighted just want to ask us just to take this little season, take these just a number of weeks to just try to pull back. Just say, God, help us to see a little bit more like you see. I got so much and you do and I, and I value it. I know you got bills to pay and people to forgive and cars to get to work and jobs. And I got all this stuff. And it, and, but, but in the midst of it all, to just say, help me to see like you see. Help me to be nourished. <laughs> like what, what I feed upon, what I celebrate. I want to see as many as possible. And just even if, if a little bit of that heart that would exist in a 21-year-old kid, voluntarily, I'm out leaving everything comfortable, everything I've ever known for the sake of others, that they, that they might hear the good news of Jesus. May the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Man, God, I just ask that going on in my heart just a little bit more. Help me just pull back and see like you see. Because, whew, that bombing in 1995, awful. That tsunami in 2004, awful four billion people that are yet to come to the life giving good news life saving eternal benefit forever wonderful good news of Jesus let's just man we're the church that believes that heaven and hell are realities we're the church that believes that God will use weak broken people so we just want to say, God, use us. God, help me see like you see. Let it impact the choices that I make, the way that I pray.
because I have this great passion that there would be a great multitude from my generation. Some of you are sitting there wondering, did you get the laptop? Yeah. Desperate prayer, 30,000 feet. God did a miracle. Got my laptop back. But what if we cared about four billion souls? I mean, really? Oh, David, is this manipulated? I'm not being manipulated. I'm just being real. What if, I, what if I cared? What would it look like? I just want us just to ask God, God, help me care. I want to care about the town more than the lunch. I want what sustains me. I want to celebrate. I want to be, what I, what, what's the big win? What? This many people gave their life to Jesus. This person where you work gave their life. Man, it's what lasts forever. And I think we have this father that that's what he cares about. So we're going to take some time to just take a few weeks. And just, God, we want to live for the Lamb. And we want to care about your reward, that there would be people that know you. I invite you, would you just bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we just come to you and we just ask that the sobriety of this would impact our hearts and our lives. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the men and women of Radiant Church, Lord Jesus. Pray your blessing on them. And I do ask today, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to see more than we currently see. Help us to care more than we care. And God, help us to make choices that have eternity in mind. Do something fresh in us, oh God. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radian Church Podcast.